Hello and welcome to Iroquois History and Legends. I'm Andrew. And I'm Caleb. And welcome to our fifth installment of Haudenosaunee Legends. Now, a lot of times people ask us, well, why do you do these side stories like this? And to that, I would say that these tales are more than just legends. These are stories that connect the wisdom and culture of the past to our present time and also to future times. I like to picture that these are the same stories that were told by wise grandfathers and noble clan mothers and goofy uncles when they were sitting in the longhouse on a cold winter or husking corn in the harvest. And these are not just stories that were told a long, long time ago, but they're stories that are still told today and hopefully will be shared with future generations forever. So we wanted to share this little short story with you before we talked about our other two tales. And this is kind of a story that talks about stories, Caleb. That's right, Andrew. This is a story explaining where the origin of stories come. Long ago, there were no stories. One day, a young boy was checking his rabbit snares. He was trapping rabbits to help provide food and furs for his family. He had quite a few rabbits, and he tied them to his belt before starting for home. On his way home, he grew tired, and he decided to sit down to rest by a large stone. As soon as he closed his eyes, he heard a voice that said, Give me one of your rabbits. The boy opened his eyes in alarm. He looked around, but no one was there. He realized that the voice was coming from the stone. He put one of his rabbits on top of the stone, which then proceeded to tell him a wonderful story of how the birds got their feathers. The next day, the boy went back to the stone and gave it another gift. The stone told him a different story. Every day the boy visited the stone. Every day he brought a gift. And every day the stone told him a story. Until one day the stone said, I have no more stories. Now you are the keeper of the stories. The boy who had visited the stone so many times, he was now an old man. He returned to his village and told these stories to his children. And those children grew up and told their children. One day, I heard the stories and told you, and now you are the keeper of the stories. And if they are not told, they will be forgotten. So we'd like to give credit to that that's on the Iroquois Indian Museum that's in Howes Cave, New York. It's in their website. This next door is between two entertaining animals. One of them we've seen before in some of our other stories, and that's Bear, who can kind of be a grouchy jerk sometimes, but it's kind of justified because he always kind of gets the short end of the stick in a lot of these tales, and this one is no exception. But we also have a new character that some of you have never met before, and that is Mean Old Buffalo. And this story is titled, How Mean Old Buffalo Shamed Kind Old Bear. It was a lovely summer day, and Kind Old Bear was walking through the woods. Although the sun was shining and the sky was blue, Bear was not in a particularly good mood. <sighs> Lousy sunshine, said Bear. He continued his walk through the woods until he came to a beautiful stream with bright yellow flowers growing on its banks. <sighs> Lousy flowers, said Bear. 
Who knows why kind old bear was so grumpy that day? Maybe it was because his thick fur was way too hot for this late summer day. Or maybe it was because he had still not gotten over losing his long puffy tail the winter before when Fox had tricked him. <sighs> Lousy Fox, said Bear. Or maybe it was because kind old Bear was not kind at all. Kind old Bear decided he was going to fight somebody, and he didn't care who. Get out of my way, you bushy-tailed tree rat, he yelled to a squirrel who crossed his path. Stick to the trees! Or I'll crush you like one of the nuts you eat. Ugh, lousy squirrel. Who to fight, said Bear. Bear looked all around for someone to fight, but all he heard was more squirrels cracking nuts. Where's that pack of wolves? If I find them, I'll rip them to shreds with my long claws. Ugh, where's that mountain lion? I will rip open her neck with my sharp teeth. Ugh, where's Badger and Wolverine? Everyone says they are the fiercest in the woods, but I will show them what it means to be fierce. I will make them so scared they will never leave their holes until I nap for the long winter. Ah, oh, who to fight, said Bear. It was then that Bear spotted a small black dot way out in the grasslands. I don't know who that is, but they will dread the day that they trespassed on my hunting ground, said Bear. Kind old bear started sprinting to the dot, growling and snarling as he ran. He's here to steal my honey. Ah! He's here to eat my blueberries. Ah! He's here to rob me. I will make him pay. I will tear him ear from ear, said bear. But as bear got closer to the black dot, it started to get bigger and bigger and bigger until it was no longer a black dot but a huge, monstrous buffalo. But not just any buffalo, but mean old buffalo. He was a sight to see, nearly nine feet tall from foot to ears with long, razor-sharp horns. But kind old bear checked himself after seeing those horns. Buffaloes have no business having such nice horns, bear thought to himself with just a little bit of jealousy. Mean old buffalo just stood there near the steep bank of the river, eating the thick green grass. You there, mud eater, yelled Bear. Good morning, my friend. You seem to be upset. Is there something I can help you with? Said mean old buffalo. You insult me by calling me friend. I would never befriend such a nasty, burdock-infested flea bag like you. You disgust me with your muddy teeth and your stench. You are here to steal my food. Rawr! said Bear. I assure you I'm not. I'm here for the sweet grass and the cool, clear water of the river. The day is so fair and the sky is so blue. I don't think I could ask for a nicer day, said mean old buffalo. You're here to steal my food, said Bear. Do you mean this grass? You are welcome to it, my fine bear friend. There is plenty of grass for both of us, said mean old buffalo. No, you overgrown goat. Bears are warriors. We do not eat grass. We eat meat, still red with the blood of our enemies. And you look like an enemy to me. <sighs> said kind old bear. Mean old buffalo thought to himself, My dear, this bear seems quite unreasonable. 
But kind old Bear was able to read his thoughts. So you think I'm unreasonable? said kind old Bear. I never said that, said mean old Buffalo. But you thought it, said kind old Bear. My thoughts are none of your business, and I will think what I wish, said mean old Buffalo. Let's see if you still think that it's none of my business when I rip you apart, said kind old Bear. He leapt for mean old Buffalo, thrashing at his leg with his sharp claws. But Buffalo bucked him away with his strong neck. My dear, said Buffalo, I have half a mind to give you a firm kick to your ribs after that uncalled for attack. Oh, so you do want to fight. I knew it. You are a rotten, stinky rascal here to steal my honey. Said Bear. I am only here to eat grass. I don't want to fight anyone. I just want to enjoy this fine day, said mean old Buffalo. But Bear laughed. You coward! You are an embarrassment! You long-haired mud-eater! I can tell you are afraid of me, and you should be. I will soon be ripping your entrails out, and when I am done, the wolves will pick your bones. My, my, thought Buffalo. This is getting quite out of hand. I ought to stick my sharp horn right through this bear fellow and show him a thing or two. So, you plan to murder me now? You are nothing but a conniving grass possum, said Bear. Just then, Bear jumped at Buffalo, running his claws down his face. Lines of blood ran down the end of Buffalo's nose. You should not have done that. If you don't stop now, I'll make you wish you'd never crossed me, said Buffalo. Is that a threat? You dare threaten me, said Bear. Bear lunged onto Buffalo's back and bit hard into his hump. But before he could set his teeth, Buffalo bucked him off. You had better run. I am a patient, Buffalo, but you have crossed the line now. And once the line has been crossed, bad things happen. And the bad things don't happen to me, said Buffalo. So, you do plan to kill me, said Bear. I have planned nothing, but I cannot allow you to bite and claw me. I will defend myself, and if you die, you have brought it on yourself, said Buffalo. Bear then stood up on two legs and looked more like a demon than an animal. But Buffalo stood his ground by the river bank. Bear charged screaming and foaming from the mouth. Faster and faster he ran to Buffalo, but then Buffalo lowered his head and stopped Bear dead in his tracks. I will show you now, said Buffalo. Buffalo tossed Bear like he was nothing but a bale of leaves. He tossed him so far that Bear went clean over the river bank. Bear fell and fell and fell towards the water of the river. Now, it's important to note that bears do not know how to dive gracefully. So Bear looked more like a flying squirrel as he fell, until Buffalo watched from the high river bank to see if Bear made it out of the water. He waited a long time and began to think that he had drowned. But then he saw the poor wretch. He was on the side of the river, crying like a little baby. Buffalo yelled down to him, You there? Why all the tears, small cub? Do you miss your mother? (laughs) You must have been crying some time.
because your fur is so wet. <laughs> Run home, cub. I think your mother is missing you. Kind old bear dragged himself through the reeds and out of sight of all the mocking eyes. If you ever run into kind old bear, he may tell you how mean old buffalo one day tossed him from the riverbank when all he wanted to do was enjoy the sunshine and the bright blue sky. Long ago, there lived in this land a man named Scunny Wundy, whose name meant Cross the Creek. Now, he wasn't the first Scunny Wundy. There were many mighty hunters and brave boys before him with the same name. But those are other stories. Now, this Scunny Wundy was not a very big man, and he was not that small. But one thing he was known for being was a bragger. In fact, if you knew him, you would think that that's all he knew how to do. He would brag about being brave and brag about being so clever. His boasting knew no bounds. He told people all about the courageous things he had done and all about the brave things he was planning on doing in the near and distant future. Oftentimes, his peers that were forced to endure his crowing would plead with him to cease. But they could never do this without treading lightly, however. You see... Scunny Wundy had something that he loved to do more than boasting, and that was playing tricks on people. During this time, there were fearsome beings. There were people who were shapeshifters who could change into monstrous bears, and there were known to be giant heads that flew through the air and could consume an entire town. There were also these creatures who hid down in the water springs, and they would spring out and snatch people who were on journeys if they weren't paying attention. There was also massive serpents with horns that lived in the lakes and ponds. But the most terrifying of all the monsters were the stone giants. One day, an old sachem was sitting with Scunny Wundy. He was enduring another one of his tall tales. Finally, when there was a pause, the old leader asked him, You seem so brave. Are you not frightened by the stone giants? Scunny Wundy laughed at the old man. Before he could even finish the sentence, Scunny Wundy said, Ha! I can defeat any stone giant that dares to fight me. There's no warrior on Turtle Island greater than I, Scunny Wundy. Then Scunny Wundy went off on another self-centered story about himself. He wasn't even paying attention as the other townspeople left the house he was in very quietly. Soon he was left alone in the longhouse, waving his stone tomahawk around in circles and boasting of the great deeds he would do. While he was looking up at the roof and rambling on and on, the old sachem called for a council fire to be started. The whole town assembled inside the main council house. After a brief discussion, orders were given and a young man was sent as a runner from the town with a message. He returned a short time later, and yet Scunny Wundy did not have any idea of what had transpired. Finally, the old sachem led the host of people out of the council house, and they assembled around Scunny Wundy. We have excellent news, Scunny Wundy, the leader said. You have a chance to prove your bravery. The young man, who up until now had been pacing back and forth, froze in his place. 
The only thing that moved was his head as it pivoted slowly around his neck, scanning the crowd of eyes that were staring eagerly at him. Oh, he said with fear in his face. This is good, but uh, um, what are you referring to? We have decided, the old man said, as a hint of a smile slowly worked his way across his face, to give you the opportunity to battle against the flint coats. Oh, I see, said Scunny Wundy. That, that's uh, very good, but uh, you see, I don't think that I could find a stone giant even if I wanted to. Um, because, you see, if they hear my footsteps walking towards them, they're probably going to know that it's me, and they're going to turn around in terror, and I'm never even going to have a chance to see them. Have no fear, the old man responded, and his smile became more broad this time. Even now, on the other side of the river, is a very large stone giant. He is eagerly waiting for you. A little while ago, a messenger was sent by us to him. We warned him that he should go away before the mighty and esteemed Seneca brave Scunny Wundy arrived to vanquish him. Well, that stone giant became so enraged that he cursed and swore that he would remain in this spot until you arrived to challenge him. Now, Scunny Wundy was much afraid, but he knew that he had no choice but to go through with this challenge, for he would never hear the end of how much a coward he was from his fellow people. Ha-ha! laughed Scunny Wundy. Very, very good. I shall uh, go now and uh, fight against the Flint Coat. He briskly walked out of the village towards the river. But as soon as he made it to the wood's edge, and he was no longer seen by anyone, he sat down against a tree. Okay, okay, I need time to think, he said to himself. How can I possibly take on such a horrible monster? Uh... I could throw rocks at him, he thought to himself. Ah, but then he would just catch them and chew them up like raspberries. Uh, if I take up my bow and shoot arrows towards him, uh, they would be as effective as dry blades of grass. No, no, no. I must think a little longer. Stone giants, uh, they're not the brightest creatures. Perhaps if I can't defeat him with arms, I could think my way out of this. Maybe I could trick him. As he finished his thought, Scunny Wundy heard a sound. It was an awful, horrid noise. It was like the wailing of a whirlwind and the beating of an enormous drum. It was coming from the direction of the river just beyond the forest. Scunny Wundy carefully crept towards the river. He cautiously looked out from behind the large chestnut tree and saw what he had hoped not to see. Standing across the river was the largest, most hideous, and angriest stone giant anyone could have imagined. In his hand was a great pine tree that had been pulled up by the roots. He swung his arm up and down and beat it against the ground. As he drove it over and over again into the earth, he sang a most terrible war chant with a voice louder than a hurricane. Scunny Wundy turned to try and sneak away, but it was all in vain. You see, giants are very tall, and they can look down and see a person who's attempting to hide much easier than you or I can. You, 
the stone giant roared. Who are you over there? Are you Scundy Wundy? Are you the one who says he will destroy me? Stepping out from the shadow of the tree came Scunny Wundy. Why, uh, yes, he shouted. I am Scundy Wundy, and you have heard correctly that I will destroy you. Come over here now and fight me. The giant was still holding the giant pine tree in one hand as one would a war club. Then the stone giant began to wade into the river. The water was quite deep, and the river was very wide. Even before he was halfway across, his whole body disappeared under the water. As quickly as a deer, Scunnywundy ran upstream to where the river was very shallow and crossed over to the other bank. Just as he had gotten back to where the giant started, Scunnywundy saw a large stone head emerge from the water. Then the monster climbed up onto the bank where Scunnywundy had been a few minutes before. Where are you? The stone giant growled. Where are you, Scundy Wundy? I am here, shouted Scunny Wundy from the other side of the river. The stone giant turned back to look. What are you doing over there? He roared. Whatever do you mean? Scunny Wundy answered. I've been standing here waiting for you. You must have gotten mixed up and turned around when you went under the water. Now, if you aren't too afraid of me... Come over here, and we'll fight. The stone giant roared with rage and rushed full speed into the river. He again soon disappeared under the current, and Scundy Wundy had to run quicker than before to cross to the other side of the river before the giant made it back. In fact, he ran so fast that his stone hatchet fell off him, and it was left behind. When the stone giant again came out of the water, Scundy Wundy was nowhere to be seen. But the giant happened to look down, and there, right in front of him, was Scundy Wundy's tomahawk. What is this? snarled the stone giant. It must be some kind of toy. He brought the hatchet to his lips and touched it with the tip of his tongue to test its sharpness. Then he became disinterested with it and threw it against a large boulder. The moment it hit the rock, the boulder split right in two. The stone giant was amazed. While all this was happening, Scundy Wundy was looking on from the other side of the river. He had heard tales and legends that any weapon touched by the saliva of a stone giant would gain magical powers, and now he knew that that was true. But the giant seemed oblivious to this fact. Scunny Wundy then slipped out from behind the trees and began waving his arms and jumping up and down to get his adversary's attention. Aha! shouted Scunny Wundy. Get back over here and give me my hatchet so that I can throw it at your head. Now, normally stone giants were considered to be almost invincible. But now, for the first time in his long life, the stone giant felt penetrating fear into his cold flint heart. If Scunny Wundy's little tomahawk can split great boulders in two with almost no effort, Scunny Wundy surely has the power to be able to kill him. No! pleaded the stone giant. Do not fight me. Do not kill me. I'm begging you. I know that you are a great warrior. If you let me go, I will see that none of my kind come anywhere near your town ever again. Scundy Wundy did not say anything. He just stood there and pretended to think for a few minutes. Then he looked towards the stone giant and slowly nodded his head. 
Very well. You may go, and I will spare your life. But always remember that Skundiwundi is the greatest warrior. The giant quickly turned and departed. When he did so, he dropped Skundiwundi's hatchet near the river's edge. Once he was no longer to be seen, Skundiwundi went and crossed over to the other side. After picking up his now enchanted tomahawk, he smiled and beamed with delight. Now, he said out loud, I must return to town, for they will be very glad to hear the story that I will tell them. And that is how Scunny one day used his wits to beat the stone giant. So what's the moral of the story, Caleb? It seems like Scunny Wendy didn't learn his lesson. Scunny Wendy kind of reminds me of uh, someone I know that never really learns his lesson, but somehow always seems to go through life easy. And I think we all know somebody like that. So we hope that you guys have enjoyed this fifth installment of our Legend series. Coming out later this month, we'll have a very interesting special, and we won't spoil it for you, but I think it'll be a very engaging uh, show. It will be like nothing we've done before. Ooh. We wanted to thank some more of our listeners who have joined the Wild Sweet Potato Clan, and we wanted to mention a few of you. That's right. We would like to welcome to the clan Nanookman84, Wolven Wood, Teteris One, and Dragging Canoe. Is that because he drags canoes or because he's in shallow water and the canoe is dragging along the bottom? It does not matter. They are now official members of the Wild Sweet Potato Clan, so he can drag his canoe or be dragged in a canoe however he wants. But thank you very much for all of that, everybody. If you haven't had a chance to get on iTunes and leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. It brightens every one of our days whenever we get one. We'd also remind you to check out our website, longhousepodcast.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Iroquois History. Feel free to shoot us an email at longhousepodcast at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from you guys, and we try to respond to everyone, no matter if you just send us a little quick note or a full-on four-page dissertation. We will be happy to read it and get back to you. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you later this month. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 